right, all right. Is everyone here? Ants. Yes, sir. Roaches. Yeah, what of it? Rodents. Let's get this cheese. All right, come on, everyone. Settle down, settle down, please. Look, we all know why we're here. We'll be eating like queens when we're through with this. That pantry's finally ours. Nobody can stop us now. No, no, there's no way. It can't be. It's it's old colony. Old Colony Pest Control, veteran-owned Massachusetts, Rhode Island-based operation with everything you could dream of for your pest needs. Equipped with top-of-the-line gear to guarantee your home is protected and staying healthy. Phone number is 774-400-5993. Give them a call for the backup you need. Tell them that General Red Revere sent you. They handle anything from ants, roaches, ticks, mosquitoes, rats, and more. No wildlife or termites at this time. Hey, hey, watch it, buddy. We're marching. We're marching. job, a better home, a better life. Who hasn't wished for these things, worked for them, and sought a place where they had a better chance of becoming real? For generations, Brockton has welcomed those seeking something better. From those who came in search of opportunity, to today's multicultural population, that makes us the most diverse community in all of New England. Brockton is a place where homes are more affordable. Communities closer. Where a strong and talented workforce fuels the success of businesses big and small. And the vision of a more diverse and equitable America is being realized every day. It's where ideas take root, businesses grow, communities thrive, new beginnings unfold, and the promise of a better life is kept. Brockton, Massachusetts, where better begins. Another lesson from my neighborhood. Do you know how to tell if mom is overdosing on drugs? If your mom shoots dope every day like mine, you can only help her if you know the signs of an overdose. An overdose? Yes, an overdose. Don't call the ambulance if you're in doubt. Unless she shakes uncontrollably or foams at the mouth. That's an overdose. Okay, that's an overdose. Mm -hmm. That's an overdose. 
could find her on the floor or find her in bed. And if you know what to do, she won't end up dead of an overdose. Really? Yes, an overdose. I don't know. The signs of danger are simple to see. If she's twitching and seizing and can barely breathe, that's an overdose. Yeah. That's an overdose. That's an overdose. Mom always knows best. Can you dig it? Can you dig it? Can you dig it? This is blasphemy. This is madness. This is the proof. Alright, your boy Sinister One broadcasting live from the City of Champions. You are watching the booth. It is first Tuesday, as you can see. My guys are over here to the left. Uh, let me get into my sponsors, but thank my guest from last week, Nicole Green. Thank you for coming on the show last week. Mom's on the mile. Um, also, as I said, as my guys are on here, Ken Diesenhoff, Robert Resnick. Say hello, fellas. Hello, fellas. 
You, you stole my thunder. Hello. <laughs> and let me get into my sponsors real quick because we got a lot to talk about tonight. Michael Douglas Bretto, MDB Electronics. If you have your controller, it needs to be fixed. Send it out. It's back in 24, 48 hours. Also available now, Viana Marie's album, It's Personal, streaming everywhere. Also, Tactical Target Systems. I've been to the range twice this week because of my fear of the zombie apocalypse. Check out those Tactical Target Systems zombies at tacticaltargetsystems.com. Also, our other sponsor, I Love Boston Sports.com. The t shirts that you see featured here and some of the baseball caps that you see me wearing come from them. I want to support them and let them know down at the Braintree South Shore Plaza. Also, Old Colony Pest Control, Carl Bunnell, Veteran Dome, Residential and Commercial, 774 400 5993. I got to actually reach out to Carl Bunnell. He's coming back to sponsor the show next year. But, you know, we had our fingers crossed for him because he might have been picking up a contract. For a local franchise, which I thought he said was like 25 locations. So fingers crossed for that. Uh, but we're gonna, before we get into the news booth, as I said, it's first Tuesdays. We got a lot of stuff to talk about. Uh, we're going to take the first story in the news booth. Florida deputy dead after jokingly getting shot in the face. His, him and his friend were uh, their trainees down in Florida. Um, right now they are deputies. Uh, they were playing Call of Duty, I guess, before, but that doesn't matter. I think I think the problem here is that there may have been drinking involved, and uh, one of the deputies pulled his revolver or his service weapon out and jokingly pointed it at the other deputy as he was coming into the room, and he the gun discharged and shot him just below the eye, and um, he's dead. And, you know, if you're a licensed carry owner... Um, if you're in the military, if you're in law enforcement, one of the things you learn is, you know, always assume a firearm is loaded. Always. I'm going to let Ken Diesel speak first on this one. Yeah, that's the first thing they teach you. First of all, one, all weapons are loaded until proven otherwise. Number two, never point a weapon at anything you do not intend to shoot. Do not shoot at anything you do not intend to kill. So... This idea that he would he would point any weapon at anyone, especially his roommate and a fellow deputy, was absolutely ridiculous. Whether it was loaded or unloaded, I mean, my God, monumental stupidity is beyond is beyond concern. And it was the point where maybe it wasn't an accident, but that's an issue for another day. The sheriff actually was on his interview. Um, he had he had pretty much called it stupid. He called it appalling. He was very upset by this. So um, let R squared, which is weird because we got this story up here. It took place in Florida, one of the counties down in Florida. And R squared says he hasn't heard anything of this story down there. But the story is making its its, its rounds. Uh, R squared, you want to touch base on this? Yeah, I mean, you know, Florida's a big state. We've got multiple media jurisdictions, and for some strange reason, it's not in this one. Uh, I mean, I even had the news on earlier today. I didn't see any mention of the story. It's possible I missed it, but I, I just haven't seen it. But either way, I mean, we know we know basically what happened. I mean, everything Ken said is exactly right. This is beyond ridiculous that this that this type of thing could happen or would happen. Uh, you know, it's tragedy. Both lives are over because obviously you have someone who's dead and you have someone whose life is effectively ended by by this type of foolishness. I mean, there's just no there's just nothing else to say about it. What's the, what would the penalty be if the, if these guys were in the military? What 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 penalty would that be? 
there'd be a number of offenses, but quite frankly, the same thing under Florida law would be the same thing under military law, which you'd have the crime of manslaughter, I would think, oh. because, there, I mean, you know, all, all conspiracy theories aside, we don't know what was going on between these two. So there's no reason to think it was intentional. So this this it would be manslaughter. And, uh, you know, there are lesser included offenses that, you know, Ken would be able to name as well as I could, which would involve various firearms. You know, every every jurisdiction calls them something different, but you could have, you know, the accidental discharge, negligent discharge, uh, you know, aggravated assault with a firearm. There, there are a lot of uh, charges that fall just below uh, manslaughter for the injury to the individual, the shooting of the individual, as well as the improper release of a firearm. So you've got a series of things that, uh, you know, several of them will stick, obviously. And that's why I'm saying this is a tragedy because both lives are effectively over. Ken, I'm going to let you answer for that one also from a legal side of that. Oh, absolutely. Rob, Rob's absolutely correct. You got a self-committed murder. You got um uh, discharging of a firearm and, and within 500 feet of a building, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. The charges literally are endless, you know, negligent, uh, negligent storage of a firearm, negligent, uh, ha- they have something called negligent homicide. Oh, okay. you know, this, this guy, this guy is, will not be seeing the light of day for a very, very long time. Even assuming they don't charge him with murder because, because, it, you know, you can make if what we're hearing is true, and again, I haven't looked at the case. It doesn't appear to be any intent, so murder's off the board because murder and it requires intent. That's why Rob would go with either a voluntary, or involuntary manslaughter, and he's absolutely correct. However, they could charge him with an assault crime, which is a general intent crime, which does not require specific intent. You could have your assaults commit murder, your assault, your assault and battery, dangerous weapon, assault and battery. Although I think they charge him with assault and battery, assault commit murder. I think they really be undercharging him. Mm, mm. It's it's tough. It's a tragic story. Once again, you know, just because you're in law enforcement doesn't mean you should, you should always 100% respect your firearm, no matter what, no matter who you are, where you are. You know, it's a it's a huge responsibility. Also in the news booth, F-150 Ford, the EV production model, um, as I've been mentioning on this show, 2032 is when the you know worldwide ban takes place on production. So, you know, the key is to get all the production started now so we can be in compliance when this ban takes place. Um, the orders for the EV F-150 have been so huge, um, they, they actually have to build and took down the wall to extend the factory for production. So that is a good sign for EVs. Um, and, you know, they're heading in the right direction. I'm actually driving an EV right now, a Hyundai Ioniq from my job. And I love it. It's self-driving to a point. And, um, you know, it's right now I'm getting about 350 miles to a full charge um, in this vehicle. I haven't had to put any gas in the vehicle all week. So it's been kind of nice. Now, we're going to get into this story. I'm going to predict that R-squared is going to go full diesel and We'll borrow that title from Ken tonight because I think all three of us are going to go full diesel tonight. Um, If you guys haven't heard, over the weekend in North Carolina, a power substation um, was shot at. And there was about 50,000 people that were affected. Close to 100,000 almost were without power. 40,000, I think, was the actual count. Um, When the police went and investigated... The, the, the whole thought process and the scary thing was was that 
they said that whoever shot the substation knew where to shoot the substation. They knew exactly where to shoot it and what damage to cause to take this substation and offline and knock the power out in this area of North Carolina. The scary thing about this, and I'm going to let R-squared touch base on this first, they now have a person um, that they think has done this because of a post on her social media. For those who don't know who Emily Grace Rainey is, Emily Grace Rainey, if you're familiar with her story, she's the U.S. Army psychological operations officer who lost her job because she attended the January 6th insurrection. Now, Rob is, is a military guy. He's been very vocal on those who do these things. Um, my problem here is, is that if she was at January 6th, she should have been on some type of watch list. I've said this before. I'll say this again. And this is, and this right here, case in point is the reason why these people need to be watched. They need to be jailed this slap on the wrist and doing three, four, five months is not good enough for these people. So the story that we're getting is that Emily Grace Rainey was upset about a drag show that was taking place in this county of North Carolina. She wasn't happy. Um, she had spent weeks trying to stop this from happening. Um, and she couldn't. She couldn't stop it. Then all of a sudden, this happens. And most of the evidence and things point to her. You know, they're aware of her military background training. Um, they did go and question her yesterday. And during her questioning, she was real <laughs> smug. And her answer to those questioning her was, God works in mysterious ways. And the officer who was investigating this was not happy with her answer. Um, this is going to get ugly. And I'm just going to let Osquid get into it because this is, this is scary, people. This is... I've had some military people in my inbox that tell me, well, she served the country. She has a right to be mad, you know, things of that sort. And you know what? I I could go diesel right now, but I'm not. I'm going to let Asquid touch base on this situation with Emily Grace Rainey. She is, like I said, she's a U.S. Army psychological operations officer. She's already lost her job um, for her, what she did in January 6th. So Asquid, I'm going to let you bring this over to you. Yeah, she's a former member of the U.S. Army based on uh, what she did on January 6th. And so you could see her answers to the police is exactly the type of person who would be part of an insurrection and act of sedition against the United States on January 6th. So there you go. Logical connection. When this first happened, I, I looked into a little bit. I was curious about the background of this. And uh, the, the specific title escapes me. I apologize for that. Ken may know it. But there was there is a specific type of subgroup of extremism that focuses on electricity. Uh, it's their belief system ideologically, not necessarily as a target, but as an ideology. And there's what there's there's an extremist group on the left and an extremist group on the right that both focus on electricity. On the left hand side, it's about equality and and uh, you know tearing down barriers within society by taking away electricity, by taking away people's power. Uh, and on the right, it's about destabilizing society and destabilizing the government. So they have slightly different motivations, but there's a far left and a far right uh, version of this uh, type of electricity-focused extremism. It's uh, I forgot what the name is. Uh, maybe it'll come to me while we're talking about it. Uh, so anyway, that was the first 
thing that I was looking into is, first of all, it could have been either side, although right now uh, the, the right wing extremism seems to be much more active in the United States. And, and so that was kind of the default position. Then uh, through intelligence uh, gathering uh, federal and state, there was a lot of chatter on the right wing, uh, again, the sub extremist group um, about this issue around the time that it happened, which made it look like it was connected to that ideology. And it's about, you know, destabilizing state and federal government. So, I mean, it, it kind of makes sense that that's how you would do it. Then, uh, you know, we find out that there was uh, on social media, this allegation of this, it, it started off almost as a conspiracy theory, really, that this was all about a drag event, because, I mean, what an overreaction to a drag event. OK, it's not your cup of tea. You don't like it. And, you know, whatever kind of prejudice that might be around, are you really going to take out not one but two electronic, uh, you know, electrical substations and uh, and take an entire community into darkness during cold weather and, and what have you? It just seems like a gross overreaction because you're hurting your entire own community in the process. So it makes me think that there's still a little bit more of the extremist angle to this and not so much just about drag. It, it, it could be part of that. That may have been a catalyst that got this woman crazy uh, to think about this, but I have to believe that she's already part of a group like this. And that makes sense because if she went to January 6th, the insurrection. Now, remember, it was not a crime to be in Washington, D.C. on January 6th, and it was not a crime to be in the area of the Capitol on January 6th. It was a crime for the people that violated the perimeter of the Capitol that engaged in violence or supported those who were engaging in violence. That was it. Or, you know, so if you if you were just kind of there, there, there's a group of people that maybe didn't commit even a trespass if they stayed outside and didn't participate in that. But that's not who we're worried about. Those people aren't really suffering any consequences, nor should they. The people that lost their jobs in the military and law enforcement in uh, in various parts of the walk in, in, in the world in, in our society are those that took part in the violence. Either they you know, participated personally or in, or planned it or encouraged it or incited it or somehow committed a criminal act, uh, the act of sedition, seditious conspiracy uh, and that type of thing. And in that regard, uh, when you have people in various law enforcement agencies, federal, state and local, when you have current and former members of the military, absolutely, at a minimum, they should all lose their jobs pending their ultimate prosecution or other disciplinary action for their participation in that. Sedition against the United States is a serious crime. It's a felony. It's, a, you know, you could go to prison for many years, pay a, a huge fine. It is not something that just happens on a, on a whim. It's not something that just you get a slap on the wrist. It is a serious felony uh, and has serious consequences for the safety of our society and the future of our government. So if you engage in the crime of sedition, which is what they did in the insurrection, that was an act of sedition. Read the definition. Uh, in fact, I had wanted to post a corridor piece today on sedition. Uh, I didn't get to it. I'm still going to try during the week, but uh, so I may be able to post something that really lays this out. But nevertheless, the definition is very clear. If you if you try to you know, take up arms against our government, if you try to prevent our government from functioning, it's basically the crime of sedition in layman's terms. Uh, they're more obviously technical legal terms. So that's what they did. And if you are serving as a member, I'll, I'll say strictly to the military, but it applies to these other groups as well, law enforcement, et cetera. If you uh, engage in an act of sedition against the federal government, then you're then th those actions, that belief system, that extremism, that violence, et cetera, is not compatible with being a member of the United States military or law enforcement or 
first responders, et cetera, because that is a conflict of interest with your responsibilities to protect our society and protect this country. And so if just like Ashley Babbitt, right, everybody, you know, Trump still mm -hmm. makes a lot of noise about Ashley Babbitt. She was the reserve officer, the Air Force Reserve officer major uh, that was shot. The only person who was actually shot by the Capitol Police that day. I think they should have shot more people, but that's a different issue uh, in defense of the Capitol, that is. Uh, you know, they're still making a lot of noise about how she's some kind of a martyr and a patriot and what have you. No, she's a criminal. She's a felon. Uh, they had every right to use deadly force against her. And she's lucky, or I should say the crowd is lucky that she's the only one that they wound up shooting because they could have shot at more people. It's just she was about to breach the uh, chamber and therefore they had no choice. So this woman, Rainey, is the same as Ashley Babbitt. She was engaged in an extremist group. She was engaged in extremist activity. She was actively committing violence against the United States government, against the American people, against our democracy. And any member of the military, active, reserve, guard, retiree, anybody that does that is a disgrace to the uniform and has committed a felony in violation of the Uniform Code of Military Justice, as well as, as federal law and perhaps state law in some cases. So uh, every one of them should be prosecuted. You know, I, I don't know if it was you or, or Ken that mentioned at the beginning of this discussion that they're only getting, you know, some of the uh, you know earlier players, the lesser players were getting three to four months, which really doesn't seem like very much. Obviously, the bigger cases that they're doing now are getting years. And, uh, you know, we'll see some of the biggest cases where the sentences are still come. And I think we'll be we'll be uh, impressed with some of those outcomes. Uh, but the problem is, what do you do for these lower level people? Because if they only serve a few months and they get credit for time served or probation or what have you, they go home like they like they did nothing wrong. So uh, they have to lose their jobs. They have to be held accountable in every other way possible, because regardless of what the uh, federal court system and the U.S. Attorney's Office does with it. They they have to manage cases because they have thousands and thousands and thousands of cases to get through mm -hmm. out of the D.C. office. So I understand the reason that they're going to be they're going to make deals. They're going to charge in a certain way. I, I respect those decisions. I'm not saying I would do everything the same way they are, but I respect the process and I respect what they're doing. Uh, but that does not excuse, regardless of what happens to them in court, that does not excuse their actions. And if you participated in an insurrection against the United States, the January 6th attack on the Capitol, an act of sedition against the United States or seditious conspiracy in support of that action against the United States, then you deserve the maximum punishment under law. And I'll stop there because uh, I know you guys want to get in on this, too. So I'm going to go to Ken. Um, Ken, what are your thoughts? Because I feel like that these people should be on some type of watch list. I, I just feel like if she was to be on some type, and to be honest, she may, she may have well been on a watch list, which is why they knew to go to her. So I, I, so I might be wrong. This might be why they did question her because she may be on the watch list. They just don't want to put that info out there. I'm going to let Ken chime in on that. Cause is there well. a possibility of that? I definitely think she is on a watch list. Like I said, they kind of came down really quick. So I think what happened was they started out with the old, they stick a pin in the target area and they draw a circumference. Okay, who in this area has the skill set, the desire, and the associations to do these things? This is standard operating procedure. And they come up with a list and they came up with her. I also like, uh, if I may go back to a point that Rob made, and talk about why this is so dangerous. One of the things that the national security people have always commented upon is our Achilles heel 
in this country is our is the national grid system. One of the things they have been worried about is from both a cyber attack point of view and a physical attack point of view is our power grid. Because it could be very easy to cause an incredible amount of damage, both financially, physically, and psychologically, to take out key power points. Now, the power grid is, comes with a lot of backups, a lot of security things. And while this was horrible to these people, it, it did not have a macro effect. Not the saying 50,000 people losing power is not a problem. Don't mistake I am not saying that. I am talking about a systemic failure here. However, this woman clearly has specialized skills to know exactly what to do to cause the maximum amount of damage with the minimal amount of effort. And that scares me because who is she associating with? Because we saw this in the run-up to 9-11. A lot of these groups were taking practice runs at the World Trade Center and figuring out how they could do the maximum amount of damage. The truck bomb in the garage, the various other attacks. 9-11 didn't come out, you know, out of the blue. These groups built up to it over a period of time. And there's no question that these groups are getting more and more disciplined, more and more, they're, they're learning from their mistakes and how, how they can cause the maximum amount of damage. And I think the term Rob was looking for was Luddite. These are people who are anti-technology for different reasons. I, I, I know that one. That's not it. There's, there's not, okay. I'm, I no, it begins I with an EX, it's, uh, but uh, I'll come up with it. Okay. So this is what's scaring me the most that, you know, they're, they're trying to justify their action. Oh, they're motivated because they're worried about, you know, indoctr indoctrinating the youth. No, no, I don't care why you're doing it. When you start taking out a power grid or, or a section of the power grid, I should say, not the entire power grid, that's incorrect, that's inaccurate. Mm -hmm. This is something you really need to worry about because what happens when someone walks in with a truck bomb and blows up a major relay station outside of a major city like Boston or New York or LA? or Las Vegas, or Texas. How many hospitals rely on power to, to run their uh, you know, respirators and other key things? Now, most hospitals that I'm aware of have backup generators in case the power goes down for any reason. In fact, all the ones that I know in Boston, New York, and LA have them. Matter of fact, my cousin, who was a nurse, uh, she attended many briefings on what happens if the power goes down. And they have a limited ability to run their hospital at full force with backup generators. But what about smaller municipalities like El Paso or Nome, Alaska or other places? How long can they run without power? Can you imagine someone without power in the winter in places like North Dakota or Wyoming or Colorado or Utah? Trust me, it gets damn cold out there at night without power. And you even say, well, do they have gas? No, a lot of the gas systems need electrical systems to, you know, to monitor, to, you know, to fire up and monitor how much fuel you're getting. So this is a, I think this is a huge story. It's something that gets me very nervous, not so much as the attack itself, but what it portends to be. These groups are getting away with murder. The, they, have, they have thoroughly infiltrated the Republican Party at multiple levels. You've got them, and the Republican Party is refusing to crack down on them. Our 
law enforcement agencies are doing their best, but frankly, I think they're they're going after these people one hand tied behind their back because they're afraid to do the kind of things they need to do for fear of the backlash from the right-wing community. And I think, folks, this was a wake-up call. If you didn't get the message, let me underline it and quotate it for you. This is dangerous. It's accelerationism. Accelerationism. There you go. That, that's the name of the uh, subgroup of extremism. It's called accelerationism. Yes, you're right. Gotcha. Uh, yeah, and, I, and I'm glad we were able, wow, we spent a lot of time on that, but I had to because I felt like that this is one of those stories that people don't really pay attention to. Everybody will want to talk about Kanye and Kim and everybody will want to talk about Britney and all this other stuff. But I always tell people these are the type of stories that really should be paid attention to. These are the stories that should be really major stories because there's an underlying story here that we're not really getting. We're not, and, and we should pay attention. And I feel like that this is a scary growing problem in this country. Um, like I said, the scary thing that I got out of this was that they knew it, it took them just less than 48 hours. They knew who the person was. They knew it was somebody that had the knowledge of where to shoot it. It wasn't like this was a random, somebody just went and just randomly shot. They said they knew whoever shot this had the knowledge of where to shoot it. And that's what scared me. So um, it, it, it's, it, and it's something to watch because like I said, you know, there's a group of people that have been awakened in this country and, you know, they've been here. They've been here for a while. We've seen it in Waco, Texas. We've seen it in, in several of the states, but I think they've been awakened, and I think that that they really need to be paid attention to. Moving on into the legal booth, uh, local gun manufacturer Sig Sawyer is now up to a hundred people in this lawsuit who have claimed that their Sig Sawyer has gone off by itself. Now Sig already had released an update for people to send their firearms in and get rebuilt and 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 rebuild the trigger and rebuild all types of mechanisms mechanisms in that firearm. Um, but it looks like that they're still having an issue. The thing here is, is that the majority of these people who are, who are having this issue are military and law enforcement, because this model of, of firearm is, is pretty much sold and given to those in those um, fields. It's a scary thing. You know, they, they, they're, t- they're talking about firearms going off without anybody even pulling the trigger. One of the witnesses was on a SWAT team. They were en route. Um, he was sitting in the in the SWAT truck, and his firearm was hosted on his leg, and his firearm went off without even having the trigger pulled. Now, Sig has admitted, I see Ken shaking his head, and I said the same thing, but I saw the story on 60 Minutes, and they have an issue because they've tried to fix it twice, and we're now into the third time of this firearm discharging on his own. So you were saying no, I'm gonna let you I'm gonna let you speak on it because okay. I said the same thing. All right, all right, all right. First of all, I'm not a firearms expert. I don't claim to be, but let's talk about basic firearm physics. How does a firearm work? First of all, the round has to be chambered. That means it has to be broader from the clip or any type of or in a case of a revolver in the cylinder where it is near the hammer. The hammer's got to strike the rear of the shell and that's how it goes off so unless the first of all the round's got to be chambered and anyone tells you don't chamber around until you intend to fire it but sometimes law enforcement will chamber around when they're on on route to an emergency situation this would require either the hammer to be 
in the cock position or for the hammer or the trigger to be so tight that any type of movement will cause the hammer to release and, and go to strike the back of the round. I found that virtually impossible. However, I'm going to defer to Colonel Resnick, who has much more experience with firearms than I have. He spent, 30, he spent almost 30 years in the military. And although he's a JAG officer, he did have to qualify on the range for both pistols and rifles, as I recall. So let me refer this to Colonel Resnick. Now, now just remember, SIG did admit they had a problem and they did have a, a recall and that gun did have to go well, back. So that that's a different story. You could have a problem where the trigger mechanism is too tight and and the amount of pressure required to pull the hammer back and release it is much lower than it should be. That's a different story. That just means is uh, triggers are based. What happens when you have a trigger? It's set to a certain amount of pressure need to be applied before it will right. pull the hammer mm -hmm. back and release it. Now, I'm assuming these are double, we call double action firearms. A double action firearm as opposed to single action firearms means is you, uh, double action firearm means all you need to do is pull the trigger and it will pull the hammer back and then release it. A single action requires you to manually cock the weapon and then use the trigger to release it. So I'm assuming these double action firearms, which I believe they, they would be in this case, most military firearms weapons are, but I'm going to defer again to Colonel Resnick, who's probably got more experience than I ever will. Yep, go ahead. Bro. Yeah, no, your, your your technical explanation was spot on. I'm not going to bore people with doing more of that. I think you're, you're exactly right. The thing that interests me about this and that I find problematic is that you have a firearms manufacturer that, first of all, as their own admission is that they have a defective design, right, at a minimum, because SIG has said that, you know, by, by having people send the firearms in to be fixed, then they're admitting that they have a design flaw. And so that that's astonishing considering the safety that needs to go into firearms manufacturing and, and the design and all that. That's kind of mm -hmm. odd because that's, you know, they, they haven't had a problem like that. And so why all of a sudden? The thing that bothers me even more, because that could happen, uh, why it wasn't discovered in testing, I don't know. But what, what really bothers me about it is that it's taken them multiple times. They've already done recalls, you know, what, twice now? And so why haven't they fixed it? This is what I don't understand because it should be something that they can identify. Uh, you know, however they have to reverse design, reverse engineer, excuse me, the, the, the firearm, you know, that, that's what bothers me more is that this has been, that this is not resolved because at this point, anybody with a SIG, you know, really can't use it. If, if it's the affected model or models, you know, you can't use it. You can't, you can't even, you know, put ammunition in it. You can't put a cartridge in there, you know, magazine in there. You, you've, you've got to keep it completely disassembled. Because if it if it really can, you know, for whatever the design flaw is, I think Ken's explanation is a good one. Whatever the design flaw is, you you can't have it loaded. You can't have a magazine in there because you don't know what's going to happen. <clears throat> so that makes the weapon unusable, uh, you know, because you know for obvious reasons. So I, I this is what shocks me out of it. One police department, I forget which one. They they actually sent all their SIGs back. They've sent yeah. all their SIGs back. Um, for fear of four of this because uh, they had an officer she shot herself in the leg because she it went off in her purse while she was shopping um you know and sig tried to say that you know she accidentally discharged it blah 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 they tested it and the problem that that they said the first time is what ken was talking about there was something with the trigger uh, i guess it's the standard is four pounds of pressure and there was there was there was something wrong with the amount of pressure on the trigger, and that's what they found this first time around. My feeling is is that they may want to just take everybody's firearms back that of this model and just give them 
a next generation or something. Um, because like I said, there's a hundred people in this lawsuit now. Um, and like I said, they're all, they're all lawsuit. They're all law enforcement and military people. So I've been keeping my eyes on this case. I'm going to keep watching it because it is a serious issue. And, um, SIG is, SIG is a good name. They've got a good name yeah. behind them. Um, so it, 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 that's the odd thing to me on this whole story is that SIG soy is, it, it, they've got a great name behind them and, you know, it's it's this one firearm. So I mean, I don't I don't know. It's it's kind of scary, kind of scary. Um, moving on, let's get into Arizona. Uh, the election has been certified. Katie Hobbs is your victor over Kyrie Lake, and Kyrie Lake has got Trump in the corner, and we're still going on. And here's the thing that bugs me, people. This is the thing that bugs me about this and these. Crazy Republicans. Here, take this. Stop doing that! Stop! Stop doing that. And what it is, is is that if someone like a Lauren Boebert wins her election, you guys never want to check and, and ratify any elections because your guy won. But as soon as someone loses, it's a fake election, the ballots are this, and it drives me up a wall, the hypocrisy of these extreme GOP people when they lose, they want to claim election fraud. And it's like, well, if the Democrats really wanted to create election fraud, why would they allow Boebert to be a close race anyway? You would just fix the election so the other person wins by a landslide. Why would you have Warnick and and, and Herschel Walker go to a runoff vote? If you wanted to fix the election, you would you would fix it so that person would definitely win. Why would you have crucial critical seats? The hypocrisy just boggles my mind at this because this Kyrie Lake and Trump saying that Arizona, they were right out tweeting. The election was fixed. It was stolen from us in Arizona. Yet in Colorado, Boebert won and nobody's saying anything about checking those. And you're the, mil you're the, you're the, you're the election guy. Get into it, please. Explain this madness to me because <laughs> I don't get it. Um... If I may quote Winston Churchill, a fanatic is someone who won't change his mind and can't change the conversation. You can't. You're exactly right. The fact is, if they're claiming the elections were rigged or they were hacked or whatever, then you got to throw all them out. And they go, no, 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 we're not going to throw all those out. They're saying, they're saying is basically, is any election where my guy won, well, that was a legitimate election. Anywhere the Democrat won, well, that's proof that's an illegitimate election because Democrats can't win. That's absurd, but they don't want to. They don't want to talk about that. I agree. Why? Why do they allow them to win in both Arizona, which is a heavily Republican state, and Georgia? We're still waiting on the result for that. That's totally. But again, you're dealing with fanatics, and you're dealing with with people who don't use logic. These are the same people who are claiming that there was a pedophile ring in the basement of pizzeria run by Hillary Clinton when the pizzeria didn't even have a basement. So even get on beyond that, they, they couldn't get down the physical layout of the building correctly, okay? There was a great sci-fi show called Doctor Who from the 70s. And there's one great line with it where the fifth Doctor, Tom Baker's character goes, the truly powerful and the truly stupid have, have, one, have one thing in common. They don't change their opinion to fit the facts, they change the facts to fit their opinion. That's exactly what's happening right now. These people cannot accept that they, the American 
American public has rejected their message. So therefore, since their message is right and the American people believe them, the only way they could lose is if the elections were rigged. So therefore, the elections were rigged. Because we didn't have the Democrats screaming that Florida was rigged when Ron DeSantis ran the table and the whole state was pretty much red. <laughs> and 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 then and they didn't want to ask where. I mean, it, this is crazy. It, it... Yeah, you know, this is this is like Charles Manson, but in the twenty twenties. You know, uh, I mean, would you? It, it's the same type of um, ridiculous, emotional, cult like thing. Um, you know, here's the thing, right? They're playing a long game. It's not about the 2020 election. It's not about the 2022 election. And it, it is to prepare for the 2024 election and beyond. These people who are the, the leaders who are doing this, not the rank and file morons, but the leaders who are doing this. First of all, they all know the truth. They all know that there's not a shred of evidence of any kind of widespread fraud uh, that has implicated a single race in the 2020 or 2022 elections. Not a single race at any single level in any single state has been implicated by any kind of a fraud scheme that would change the results in any possible way, not even by a percentage point, let alone the outcome. They all know that to be true. You know, there's evidence that Trump knew that, but that's not his narrative. That's not the point. That, does, that doesn't serve the long game that they're playing. Now, that being said, you know, you'd say, well, why, why? You know, they can they get away with the big lie, the, the all this dishonesty and what have you. Ken mentioned, I think it was Ken that said that the Achilles heel of our of our society, of our country is our electrical grid, which is which is a true statement from an infrastructure standpoint. Our real Achilles heel is the fact that we have a false legal opinion or a misinterpreted one at best by the Supreme Court in a rare alliance of conservatives and the ACLU that says politicians and elected officials can say almost anything they want. That is a legal fallacy. And for decades, we kind of looked the other way because people are exaggerating and telling some, some little white lies about their records or their opponents' records. And sure, we shouldn't make a big deal about that technically. But we've never been faced with what's been going on in the last few years, and Republicans have been very savvy to this. I shouldn't say Republicans, the extremists of the Republicans have been very savvy to this, and they've been preparing this game for years, and they've been planning to execute it. Trump stumbled across it. He didn't invent this. Uh, and so what you have is this idea that they're going to destabilize our institutions one election at a time. And there are going to be a certain number of people that believe this, as we know. There are all kinds of people out there in states like Arizona and Georgia and others that believe the election lies of 2020 and believe that Joe Biden didn't win, that believe that Trump did win, that believe other people races were, were falsely you know, recorded and what have you, without any evidence, mind you. The issue is that fomenting such mistrust about our institutions, our democratic institutions, is part of the crime of what? Shall we say it together? Sedition. Sedition. It fits the <laughs> definition of sedition. This whole idea of people, Donald Trump and his minions, Carrie Lake in Arizona, the people that lost their races in 2022, the people that won some of their races in 2022, 
who are election deniers are all committing the crime of sedition. But we have an Achilles heel in this country that we are afraid to prosecute people involved in politics because we don't want to set a precedent of a free speech issue. The mm -hmm. problem is they know this and they're exploiting this as a weakness. We as a society need to come to task with the idea that it's one thing to, to maybe lie a little bit about your record and your opponent's records and your views and your opponent's views. You know, Democrats li always like to talk about Republicans' views on Social Security and Republicans always like to say Democrats are going to raise taxes and None of that's exactly 100 percent true, although the Republicans do want to get rid of Social Security. Now they just made it a campaign issue. So now there's evidence on that. But either way, putting all that aside is the, the annual shenanigans that that we just accept and we vote for the people we want to vote for. This new thing that goes back now to 2020, this this, you know, campaign of, of dishonesty involving election security and election outcomes and what have you is is criminal. I mean, I don't even know what more to say about it. It's criminal. I could start screaming about it. That's not going to do us any good. It's criminal. And I don't know what the Department of Justice is going to do. The January 6th insurrection, the big lie, all this stuff going together with the violence uh, not only proves the need to do something about it, it gives the Department of Justice a chance. A lot of people say charges are coming. I don't know. Uh, they would be foolish if the charges were limited to the Trump and the Trump campaign. They need to go after people in the states. And so do the states, by the way. The states need to clean up their own acts. Mm -hmm. And, you know, this can't just be the federal government being the big bad wolf because states need to do it. I realize state constitutions may be a little bit different on the definitions of freedom of speech and political speech as what's protected. And I'm not an expert in all 50 states plus, but I think there's a pathway across the country to do this. And the federal government led by the Department of Justice needs to step it up. Mm. And getting into the... Oh, go ahead, Ken. If I may say something, um, Rob's absolutely correct about the decision and basically what it, but, but that decision was narrowly drawn to dealing with political advertising, political speeches. Basically, when politicians are running for election, anything they say, any of the political advertisement or political speech cannot be deemed to be libelous or slander. However, there's nothing that says they are exempt from being charged with sedition or incitement to riot or the, all, any of the other stuff. Which, which they, the right wing clearly is. So, and I agree with Rob. I think we need to crack it down. In Massachusetts, it's very clear. If you're a po politician, you ought to say something that is either libelous or slander or provokes violence, you can be held accountable. And that's why in Massachusetts, you didn't see even the right wing of the Republican Party go all crazy. Now, they, they did election denying, stuff like that. But they stopped well short of the violence that's being uh, promulgated by many of their colleagues in the staff from the West. Mm. Yeah, like I said, it's, it's, it's a scary, it's a scary thing. Um, also in the legal booth, moving on, um, Trump hid a $19.8 million loan from North Korea while president. Now I see a lot of people putting up all these things about Hunter Biden and the laptop and how he should be this and how he should be this. Let's, let's, let's get into this though. Um, real quickly, because we, we I, like I said, I have a lot of topics to talk about. We're still, we're still in, we're still in the legal booth. We got a lot to talk about. I'm gonna let our squid get into this because this is a big deal. A, a 19.8 million dollar loan from North Korea that was hidden. Wow, President, please break this down for the people out there and why this is a, a big difference from this whole Hunter Biden laptop thing that everybody keeps going back to. 
Yeah, look, Hunter Biden, it's not a fiction, but it's not the crime of the century. He underpaid his taxes. He's likely going to get fined and penalized. Uh, there may be a case. He may make a deal. Um, it's not like he's clean, but that's that's the extent of it. OK, he underpaid his taxes. He he took an exemption he wasn't entitled to. It's it's very straightforward. The Department of Justice has been handling it. Something's going to get done about it. And uh, and, and, you know, then we'll assess, you know, the facts as we see them and whether or not it was handled fairly. And it looks like, you know, traditionally, this is the type of thing that's handled by a fine. And, and so it seems like that would be OK. So. That, that's the Hunter Biden thing, and let's get it over with, all right? Let's someone tell the Department of Justice, get it over with, rip the Band-Aid off, release their finding, let him, let him make a deal, you know, plead, his, plead in court and, and pay his fine or whatever the heck they're going to do, because uh, I don't think there's that much else uh, to this. Um, now you fast forward to, you know, what Trump was doing. First of all, think about this. Think about a loan from North Korea, right? Think about North Korea. <laughs> How unlikely is it? First of all, North Korea doesn't have money. Yes, they're 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 obviously fielding a nuclear weapons program. They have resources, but that resource those resources come from China. North Korea doesn't export anything. They don't make anything. They don't sell anything. They are an impoverished society. Their people are starving to death. Unless you're in the political elites, in Kim Jong Un's inner circle. And, uh, and, and even the military is not very well fed, uh, but they're fed better than the peasants who, who permeate the society there. So North Korea is obviously a very closed society. They don't have an economy. They don't have businesses. They don't have anything there. So how are they giving Trump a loan of any money for anything? The whole thing is ridiculous. It was obviously a payoff of some kind because North Korea doesn't invest in anything except their own nuclear weapons program. So, you know, we'll have to see what what the rest of the facts come out with this. But but there's no there's no way to to paint it with a with a with an appropriate brush here, because the very fact that North Korea was transferring money, money they don't have, mind you. So it comes from China. Mm -hmm. It's very, very interesting to see how that's going to play out. And, you know, at the same time that Trump had this secret uh, money source from North Korea, which, again, I can only imagine what that's going to amount to. Remember, Jared Kushner, while he was in the White House affecting policy, including Middle East policy, got billions of dollars in loan bailouts from Saudi Arabia. Mm -hmm. That makes Hunter Biden look like nothing. Right. And, uh, you know, son-in-law, presidential son. I mean, you put them in somewhat of Hunter Biden has nothing to do with the campaign or the White House. He's not part of the government. He's a private citizen. He happens to be the president's son who we know has a history of, of problems. And, right. you know, he, 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 you know, there's some, some things that he got into, not, not just talking about the drug use, but, you know, some other things that they're questionable, but as far as criminality goes, my goodness, I mean, you know, that, that pales in comparison to, to anything else. And so, you know, you have Jared with the multi-billion dollar bailout from Saudi Arabia, and that was a one-time thing. There were other things that he got. You have Ivanka's, you know, sexy trademark Chinese. deals from China, where she got all kinds of money yep. worth millions and millions of dollars in exclusive Chinese copyright laws. By the way, China violates all of our copyright laws. So how do they give Ivanka a copyright when they violate everybody else's? I mean, it's not even just that she got preferential treatment. It's that this is a gross departure from Chinese economic policy going back to the 1950s. All right. So uh, certainly the 1970s. 
And so it, it just it just calls into question that uh, you know that if if, if you really you talk about apples and oranges or, or whatever you want to call it, it's it's just the most ridiculous thing. Now, the fact is that no matter what Hunter Biden did or didn't do, and maybe maybe some people will say that that it's more serious than what I've laid out. That's fine. Let the facts speak for themselves. But it has nothing to do with the White House. It's nothing to do with the administration. I'm sure the president would be emotionally affected by what happens to his son, but his son is not part of the administration. And uh, and he's not profiting off of his father being president. This all happened well before Biden uh, was president. So fast, you know, then, then you look over to the, you know, the, the Trump family in the White House. You have President Trump uh, during his time in office made tons of money. Jared and Ivanka made tons of money. Uh, you know, the, co- the corporation was making money because of all the people that were specifically staying in Trump properties while he was president, uh, you know, paying exorbitant over over saturated rates, uh, you know, just to put money in his pockets. I mean, it, it just it just never ended. It just never ended. So, I mean, if you really want to compare this, you know, we can we can do that. That, that That's yeah, a fight I, I'd love to have. I had someone on my page that said, oh, this is a no story. It's, not a, it's a no story. Ken, you want to add to that? You want to add to this no story, Ken? Look, uh, no, because Rob said it all. Unfortunately, stole all my thunder. Thank you very much, Rob. Sorry. No, but you're right. The, the Biden laptop, there is no story there. One of the things that Elon Musk was going to do, remember, he's going to release the Twitter files to show that there was uh, interference from the White House. Turns out that what happened is somebody before Biden became president had sent a letter to Twitter asking them to take down the stuff that some of the, some of them uh, photographs from Biden's laptop were of a pornographic nature, and they asked them not to be displayed, and they did because at that time. It those pictures would would have violated Twitter's privacy policy. That's the extent of the scandal. As for the North Korean connection, it is well known that North Korea acts as a money launderer for numerous, shall we say, less than reputable actors, including those from the Middle East, Russia, and China. You could see a lot. Of, we don't know who these people are, but I wouldn't be surprised. If it was with the Russian oligarchs, which Trump has a long history with, some of the Chinese. Think of that. Uh, uh, remember, the Chinese military is biggest business in China. I wouldn't be surprised if they're involved somehow. The Iranian Revolutionary Guard is also another big financial player. People don't realize that that many of these foreign powers' militaries also have a very private uh, financial gains. Could be any of them, could be all of them, could be none of them, could be anybody else. But yeah, this is, you know, the North the North Korea loan, that's the tip of the proverbial iceberg, if you'll pardon the cliche. And we're going to keep an eye on that. I'm going to actually keep an eye on this story as it, as it moves along, because I guess the story is kind of fresh. It's kind of brand new. Um, also, Trump organization found guilty on all charges of tax fraud. We have been following this story. There's really not much to say. We were, we were kind of heading this way that they were going to be found guilty. Um, so for those who were wondering what happened, well, it was today. Trump Org found guilty, all charges of tax fraud. So we're going to be taking that next step. Now, I've said this before, the GOP is using some of these things to, um, I, I think, to, to, to back DeSantis. And I feel that that's what's going to happen. In the entertainment booth, we're going to move along here. Rest in peace, Fleetwood Max, Christy McVie, 79 years old. Rest in peace to her. Um, she was one of the founding members of Fleetwood Mac. Uh, Stevie Nicks, 
actually made a statement. All the all the surviving members made statements. But it was just a bad week. Not only did we lose Christy McVie, we lost Bob McGrath, 90 years old, one of the original cast members of Sesame Street, 90 years old, a long life. Um, but he passed away. Rest in peace to him. And then just yesterday, we lost Christy Alley, who everybody talks about. Cheers and look who's talking. But one of the things I remember Christy Alley for the most was was when she appeared in the movie Runaway, which was this Tom Selleck movie with Gene Simmons that was going to put Tom Selleck into this action movie stratosphere because Tom Selleck was on Magnum P.I. And I liked the movie Runaway. It was about these AI robots that Gene Simmons had created. Um, I liked it. I thought the movie was great. Uh, Christy Alley was the girlfriend of Gene Simmons. Um, and um, the girlfriend of Tom Selleck and the partner of Tom Selleck was the girl from Staying Alive, uh, the female, the blonde there. Uh, but Chrissy Alley went into superstardom from that movie. She ended up on Cheers for many years, and then she did Look Who's Talking Too, but then she had this battle with alcohol and drugs and, and weight, and um, she had announced that she had had cancer, I guess, about three weeks ago, and she, she passed away. So 71 years old, Christy Alley, rest in peace. Hang around for the end of the show. Because at the end of the show, before Spongebob will take us home, I've got the exclusive trailer for Indiana Jones, Dial of Destiny, the brand new Indianapolis. Look, he's like 70-something, 80-something years old doing action movies. This is this is crazy, Harrison Ford. So I love it. Um, I can't wait to see it. Also in the trailers, Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3. I'm going to be showing you that trailer at the end of the show. And I'm going to show you guys the trailer for Transformers Rise of the Beast that was just released. And here, right now, this is my sleeper hit of 2023. It's based on a true story. For those who don't remember, there was a story about a bear out in the Midwest who went on this rampage killing people. And the bear ended up, if you look up the story, it's, it's, it's this is based on a true story. The story involves is that the Narcos had dumped cocaine over this midwestern town and that this bear had gone into the stash of cocaine that was dumped in this midwestern town and this bear went on this rampage because the bear ate the cocaine this movie is based on a true story so i am going to say february 24th this movie cocaine bear comes out i'm going to be showing this trailer to you it is insane i can't wait to see it sleeper hit of 2023 let's get into the sports booth Patriots lose to the Bills. Um, I've been saying, a lot of people have been talking about Mac Jones, this and Mac. And I'm like, the problem isn't Mac Jones. The problem is Matt Patricia. I've been saying this for the last three weeks. And guess what? If you watch last Thursday night's game, <laughs> Richard Sherman, Tony Gonzalez, and, and Ryan Fitzpatrick all came right out. And they said at the end of the Patriots loss, the problem is Matt Patricia. He's a horrible play-calling guy. Mac Jones had the same exact stats that Josh Allen did in the game, except the play calling was lackluster. It was horrible. And if you're watching these games, you know damn well why the Detroit Lions fired his ass. <laughs> he's a defensive coach. He's not an offensive coordinator. Um, the difference between him and Josh McDaniels is, is like a week ago, jo um, a week ago, the Patriots got burned by a trick play by the Vikings. It's a great, great trick play. Josh McDaniels was the type of offensive coordinator that says, man, we got burned on that. We need to bring that into our playbook, and we need to practice that, and we need to utilize that. 
Patricia doesn't have that. Patricia is one dimensional. He's horrible. He's inconsistent. And look, they brought Matt Patricia up here. They brought Joe Judge from the Jets. And I agree with Joe Judge. Joe Judge is sitting back like, okay, you didn't want to name an offensive coordinator Belichick. You wanted to stick with Patricia. You wanted to play this game. Guess what? I'm not helping now. I'm going to sit back and I'm just going to play my role as my role is should be. Joe Judge was supposed to be the offensive coordinator of this team, but for some reason, Belichick kind of liked Patricia more. Um, and I agree with Joe Judge to staying back and, and, and playing his role. I, I applaud the fact that Belichick got on EEI this morning and Belichick took it on the chin. He says the problem with the team is his fault. He's the head coach. He has the answer for it. He agrees that the play calling is horrible with the Patriots right now. Um, but he's not going to let Patricia go. Of course he's not. We're week, we're week 14. You're not going to let, you're not going to let him go week 14 because you're just writing the season off at week 14. If you, if you're pulling an offensive coordinator and he's not going to name Joe judge as offensive coordinator to close out the season, because then unfortunately Belichick is going to have to admit that he's wrong. And, and, and here's the thing. We all know he's wrong. We all know he's, he's, he, he made a bad decision with this because we talked about this in preseason when he wouldn't name an offensive coach in preseason. We knew this was going to come back to bite us in the ass. Now the rumors here in Boston is, is that Kraft is upset and Kraft is looking to fire. Kraft is not looking to fire Bill Belichick people. When this schedule was released, we knew that this Patriots team was an eight and nine team at best. Even Bob Kraft and his son knew that this team, when the schedule was released, it was an eight and nine team. The schedule was was insane. You play two Thursday night games back to back. It, it the way the schedule was put out, and then the bulk of your AFC East games are on the second half of the season. It, it, it the, this was an eight and nine team. Anybody who thought that this was a playoff team doesn't know crap about football. This was an eight and nine team from sit down. And I'm let my guys speak on this because it, it the the the. Y'all are spoiled up here in Boston. Y'all think that everybody's Tom Brady and everybody's this and that. And Tom Brady is a friggin' anomaly. What we got was special. You're never going to see it in this lifetime ever again. So enjoy it. Stop thinking that everybody's team is like this. Look at the Rams right now. Super Bowl champions. And look at the disgrace that they are right now, people. Come on. Stop it. You're not firing Bill Belichick over this offensive coordinator problem. Who are you going to get? Who, who are you going to pull up as a, as, a, as a coach that can at least keep your team at five? Ken, let me let you speak on it first. Look, they're not filing Bill Belichick. <laughs> they may not even fire Matt Patricia. I don't know why. I don't know why they brought him back after the Lions fired him. I didn't think he was that, that great of a defense coordinator to begin with, but that's an issue for another day. Look, the Patriots are going into transition. They desperately need to rebuild their offensive line core. It's it's like freaking Swiss cheese. They need to get some more receivers. They need to develop a ground game. It's a transitional year. Don't have a freaking heart attack. They're probably going to be a 500 team or slightly above, and that'll be that. On to next year. Asquid, I'd like to hear you on the Joe Judge thing because he came from the Giants, and he wasn't that bad in the offensive coordinator down there. They just had they had a lot of injury issues and they had line issues. Yeah, the Giants had a lot of problems. I mean, I don't know if Joe Judge had a fair chance. He had a couple of years or not or just one year, really. But it just he didn't have enough time to even get a system going or to get his players in, in there. So, you know, he 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 left the Patriots. He went back to the Patriots. It's home for him. I, you know. 
And he, he, you know, he was he was there. I think wasn't Joe there when Danny Jones got drafted? Wasn't that yeah. his first? That was around that yeah. that same time. Which and Danny Jones that was the GM, but but Judge was there for that. Yeah, and Danny hasn't been that bad this season. Hasn't been that bad at all. Oh, moving on in the sports booth, Joe Mazzula was named NBA Eastern Conference Coach of the Month for the Celtics. He now is the head coach of the Celtics, twenty and five right now, one of the best records in the NBA. And last night, Blake Griffin, who the Celtics brought in. Big role. They beat the Toronto Raptors. Now, I said I was torn when they brought Blake Griffin in. My thing about Blake Griffin is, is that it gives Al Horford a rest in the playoffs and down the stretch. This is where this is going to be key, so pay attention there. Also, in football, um, everybody's talking about this Tom Brady coming back at the end of the season because he's a fr- – look, Tom Brady has a friggin' multi-million dollar contract with Fox to go into the broadcasting booth at the end of the season. He's not coming to the Patriots to play quarterback for the Patriots. Please stop all this stupidness because Fox has a signed deal with him. In order for him to come back and play for the Patriots, he would have to be bought out of this contract, and Kraft is not paying $200-plus million to get Brady out of a contract for one season. If Brady comes back to the Patriots, it's for one day because he's going to retire completely from the NFL and retire, play for one day, as, 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 as you know how they do, because it's part of the NFLPA contract to retire with the team that you were most loyal to so you can get your bonus. If he comes back, it's one day. It's not going to be this coming back for the season and going for the Super Bowl. And also, speaking of Tom Brady, the New Orleans Saints, real quick. You play defense against Tom Brady for three, for four quarters, almost a whole four quarters, Six minutes left to go. You have a two-score lead, and you play this horrible prevent defense. You cover all the receivers over the top and leave the running backs and tight ends in the slot and on the sides wide open so Tom Brady can just dippy dippy do down the field, score the two touchdowns, and win the game. New Orleans Saints, that is unacceptable. It's unacceptable. For all you teams out there who allow Tom Brady to do this, unacceptable. Play man-to-man and rush. And You had a two-man blitz in the last six minutes, Saints. A two-man blitz. You spent the whole game sending everything but the kitchen sink at Tom Brady and had them down by two scores, and then you decide to just do a two-man blitz. Tom Brady comes back, wins the game, and he looks like a god again. I... R squared, did you go to bed? Because I thought it looked like that you thought that the Saints had had won. It pulled it out. I didn't say anything about the game. Oh, okay. I saw I saw somebody. Somebody was on my on my page, and I thought they. Ken, were you able to watch that game? Because I was. No, I, I I wasn't. I wasn't. Unfortunately, what, what, what I said on your page was that the Saints tanked the game. Tanked. That's right. You did. You said it tanked. But there was someone that said they had went to bed. <laughs> and woke up and yeah, saw. I, I don't. I don't watch the late games anyway. But uh, you know, I had I had seen the score, and then I saw the final score. And I'll tell you this: you know, when the Saints, and and, and yes, the team is a little bit different. But when the Saints were fighting for that division, uh, they took it to Tom Brady twice a year, and you know, rubbed his face in the dirt. And uh, you know, they they actually had a pretty good record against him. All of a sudden, they. they they have nothing to play for right now. Their, their team's a mess, an absolute dumpster fire. And, uh, you know, they're up by two scores with three minutes to go, and they lose the game. 
Come on now. <laughs> and speaking of ga- NFL games, Rob's Giants and Washington <laughs> Commanders week 13 and you end in a tie in overtime. I <laughs> Last week, Ken was ripping your pockets. He said you guys had one job. One job. And then you have a chance to redeem yourselves. And now you... A tie. <laughs> a 10 to tie. <laughs> your thoughts, man, because that's your team, the Giants. Yeah, you know, obviously that was a disgusting ending of the game. The Giants gave it away. Uh, they had that game and they gave it away. They, they just stopped playing. And then it went into overtime and Giants had some chances in overtime and they, 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 they just gave it away. You know, they've tied with the Redskins more than once before. It just seems to happen sometimes because of that rivalry. Both teams mm-hmm. try to step it up. But I don't know what happened to the Giants in this particular game. They played for a while and then just kind of fell apart. Uh, you know, to be fair to the Giants, they were supposed to be about a nine win team this year. You know, and they got off to a hot start and everybody said, oh, wow, Giants are going to be in the playoffs and team to beat and team to watch and all that. No, of course not. They, you know, their entire wide receiving core went out hurt. They've got injury problems. They're changing the turf next year. Finally, Ken and I have talked mm-hmm. about that before, that there's something defective about the turf mm-hmm. in that yep. stadium. The and I don't know lawsuit. why it took. Yeah. I don't know why they it took them this long to do it, but they're finally going to do it. That'll help to some extent with the injury problems. Then we got to figure out what else they have to do about it. But either way, the Giants were only supposed to win about nine games this year, and they still may. <laughs> Despite the fact that they were seven and, and two at one point, they still may only win nine games this year. And, and that would be OK because they're not a playoff team. They will get destroyed in the playoffs this year. They don't belong in the playoffs this year. And I will always root for them. I will root for them to win every game they play. But uh, this team doesn't belong in the playoffs. And this last game just kind of showed it the way they couldn't finish. You know, they, they, they just don't have it. And here's the thing. Saquon Barkley could be the greatest running back in the game this year. The problem is that's all the Giants have. And so uh, every team they play now, after the first few weeks, triple teams, Barkley, stuffs him, shuts him down, and the Giants can't do anything else. They can't open up his run game because they don't have anybody else. They have no other offense. And so they can't keep the ball. They can't stay on the field. The defense is on the field. The defense gets exhausted. And that's what happens in these games. They can't close out now. So all you have to do is triple team Saquon Barkley and you beat the Giants. So they need some more help, uh, but that's okay. They were supposed to be somewhat improved this year. They are better than they were the last several years for sure. And they have something to build on. And, you know, they, they have a decent GM in there now. So let's see what they do. Mm-mm-mm. Jackson State University took home the championship undefeated. They beat Southern in the SWAC championship this past weekend. Um, as soon as the game was over, Coach Prime confirmed he's off to Colorado for the be their head coach. Jackson State University puts out a nice letter. I'm out in public thanking him for what he's done. Now it's up to the HBCUs and the rest of this organization to do what he started. Don't sit here and start bashing Prime. Look, Coach Prime is, if you're a coach at Roxbury Community College and you get asked to call up to Coach BC, guess what? You're going to BC. You're leaving Roxbury Community College and you're going to go coach BC. And then if the NBA calls and wants you to start coaching the NBA because you did good at BC, guess what? You're not going to stay loyal to BC. You're going to the NBA to become a head coach. Let's be honest here, people. So everybody out there who's ripping Deion Sanders apart for the two years, two and a half years he spent at Jackson State University, stop it. Please stop it. The man is advancing his career. The key for him as a coach is to get to the NFL 
and he will be a great coach. You guys are all complaining and talking about there's not enough black coaches in the NFL. Well, you got a guy who's moving up through the ranks right now that could end up being the black NFL coach. Let's sit back and enjoy and watch this. Stop this whole stupidity of things. Um, also, uh, USA lost to the Netherlands 3-1. to one. People, pay attention. I watched the World Cup. Um, guess what? 2026, World Cup's here in America. Gillette is hosting some of these games. The USA team, which shouldn't even made it to the final 16, made it to the final 16. And to be honest, they were victims of their own demise in this game against the Netherlands. They had the Netherlands almost on the ropes for, for one whole half and part of that second half. Um, it's a young team. And look, the key now is focus and, and building this team up to get it ready for 2026 so they can go deep in their own country. And, I, and I'd like to see that. So people who are on social media and they're saying, well, that's it for me in the World Cup. No, it's not. You've got 2026 on the way. Let's start throwing our support behind the USA team now. Let's start supporting this MLS that we have here. The only reason why I pay attention to it is because I've been a World Cup fan for a, a long time. And Kraft owns the New England Revolution and he's that team's been a huge success. We had Alexi Lawless playing here. Um, he was a great player. And for me, it's this ignorance of soccer in this country where we, we just don't pay attention. So I, I, you guys, anything you want to add to that as far as the World Cup? I know not many people are big fans. So No, I think you covered it. I think you covered it well. Um, Asquid? Yeah, nothing to add. I agree with what you said. All right. Let's, so we're going to move let's on. Get, let's get on with 2026. Breaking news, breaking news. Uh, Baker Mayfield from the Panthers was put on waivers, plucked up by the Rams. I don't get it. I thought the 49ers would have snatched him up after losing Jimmy G this past weekend. I thought that was going to happen, but the Rams snatched him up. They're saying Baker Mayfield may play this weekend for the Rams, which is insane. This is this is a team that went that was a Super Bowl champion team. I, I Real quick, it, who wants to add to that one? R squared. I mean, I know Stafford's out hurt, and he and obviously the whole team had a weak, uh, you know, what they call it, the Super Bowl curse. Uh, I, I don't know that Baker Mayfield's the answer. I mean, they're, they're not suddenly going to be a playoff team, so I don't know what they're thinking. And yeah, I think the the, the Rams have got a major issues. But here's the thing with Baker Mayfield: as I said before, I think you're running into a problem. Is no team wants to overpay for a quarterback that's past his prime, and I'm afraid Baker Mayfield is past his prime. You know, maybe he has a year left if lucky, and the Rams need more than a quarterback that can last for a year. We'll see. We're going to keep our eyes on this story, but he—they're saying that he could play this weekend. Um, I'm going to let these guys go right around the horn on this one. Biden bombshells. Um, there's not much really about Joe Biden this week because he was actually here in Boston on Friday for this whole moonshot event that was going on. Um, it's been kind of quiet. Um, the the trouble here is that I wanted to talk about is that we we we've been you know talking about sedition and all these things problem that I'm having right now is with Trump's constitution comments this adds to the sedation conversation let's just get right into this real quick I'm gonna let ask weird you got a former president talking about tearing up and 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 canceling the constitution your thoughts as a military guy first and foremost before a citizen 
Yeah, I've got a lot of thoughts, but actually I'm going to defer to Ken first because apparently I stole his thunder on the last one. So I want to give Ken a chance to go off and then I will be happy to share my thoughts. I'd like to see something on the corridor. I would like to see something on the corridor also on this one, if possible. Yeah, I'm working on it. I'm working on it. Okay. Thank you, Robert. Um, Look, any American who suggests that you rip the Constitution and reinstall this person after he lost an election is not an American, Okay. What you did was you advocated the violent overthrow of the U.S. government, which, by the way, is illegal in case you hadn't noticed. Okay? (laughs) It's illegal. He's advocating the violent overthrow of the U.S. government. You can't just absolve the the Constitution because you lost an election. Elections have consequences. Somebody once told me that. I'm getting this flashback, right? Um, Anybody remember this? So it's just another sign that he's a disgusting human being, that he's a danger to the republic, and that he should be brought to justice and put on trial for advocate for violating the Smith Act, which makes it illegal to advocate the violent overthrow of the U.S. government. End of freaking story. And here's and this I goes don't back want to, hear to the, about what about Biden's, Biden's laptop? Okay. Well, here's the funny thing, people. Here's again the hypocrisy of this whole thing. We're all the two A people. When he said that he was going to rip up this constitution, haven't they been saying that Biden's the biggest threat to our constitutional rights? Oh, all the two A people. Now you got a guy that says he wants to burn and get rid of the constitution. And we have this from the friggin' two A people. Crickets. Well, nothing. I square. It's crazy. You, oh. one, you need to understand, remember, the Second Amendment was only designed to protect white, rural Americans with guns, their rights, nobody else's. You, did, you forgot that part of the Second Amendment, didn't you? Well, you should read it again. <laughs> I squared, you want to add to that? Because it's just insane. I mean, look, the Constitution is sacrosanct, right? We are a democracy. We were the world's first democracy. Despite our challenges, we've been an overall effective democracy. And maybe we take for granted that our politicians haven't crossed certain lines in their rhetoric, uh, certainly not in their actions. But Trump has proven himself time and time again to be different. Now, part of me says I'm tired of giving oxygen to his crap. Um, It stinks and we don't need to be smelling it. So, you know, we, we need to stop just talking about it for days and days and days and then challenging every person we can find in the halls of Congress. What do you think about this comment? What do you think about this? You know what? They're a bunch of cowards. They are a bunch of sycophants. They're not going to do anything about it. Um, and so you're just giving oxygen to it and you're allowing them to come up with excuses for it. I agree with Ken. It is a violation of the law. But even if it's not a violation of the law, or even if it takes too long to act on that, the fact is the American people need to act on it themselves. The American people need to say this crosses a line. And, you know, I I, I don't know why that's, yes, there are certainly people who are outraged by it, but these are the same people that are outraged by all of this. The question is, why isn't it making a dent in our national politics. And that's the thing that I think we need to think about is, is what's the way to handle this stuff? What's the way to handle the messaging? Why can't the Democrats use this to become more competitive? Because this isn't going away. It's not going away. Nope, it's not. And as we get ready to close out the show, I got this one here. Um, I got to talk to Rob and 
have him explain to us the Ukraine invasion. Don't forget, people, I got these trailers to show you before we close out the show. Um, the Ukraine invasion, the big news out of there, the Biden administration is not happy with what went down this weekend. For those who didn't hear this weekend, um, Ukraine hit hard. They crossed the border, and they attacked Russian bases, and they hit hard. Um, Biden and the administration, they're not happy. Um, as we talked about this before, that, you know, they're okay with the Ukraine protecting their borders. They're okay with the Ukraine um, protecting themselves from invasion. But one of the things that, that Biden and this group of other countries, they did not want the Ukraine to enter Russia and start hitting strategic points. And I'm going to let Osquid, the military guy, explain why... Some people don't understand why this is an issue. They're saying, well, you know, they're getting, they're getting invaded. They should be able to... I want this to come from the military guy to explain this before we get out of here. There are two issues. First is we always look at war in fighting it within its context and not letting it become an unlimited war. In other words, we don't want something that starts as a regional conflict or some kind of a conflict that then becomes World War I, World War II, and we don't want this to become World War III, which is something that could potentially happen. And so on the one hand, Ukraine has the right to defend itself. They absolutely do. And once they've been attacked by Russia, they have the right to prosecute the war in their defense in accordance with international law, which allows them to strike back at Russia as long as they hit targets that comply with international law. All of the Ukrainian targets, to include the ones inside of Russia, which are military targets, are consistent with international law and consistent with Ukraine's right of self-defense. We're concerned about escalation because right now, since Ukraine can't fight the war by itself and they're they 100% are reliant on US, NATO, and, and our European partners, to fund them in this war, then we have a right and an expectation to say, look, we can't fund this thing indefinitely. We have to we have to fight this in a way that forces Russia to capitulate, that forces Russia to give up the territory it took and, and, and end this thing. And then we can worry about the future after that. Because there's only so much the American uh, government, the American people are going to be able to do militarily and financially, the same thing right. with our European partners. And at any given time, after any single election or any single issue that arises, Ukraine's uh, you know, funding for this thing could dry up. I'm not advocating for that. I'm just saying it's not far off. In fact, congressional Republicans already want to stop funding Ukraine. And so you're going to have problems in the House. Thankfully, the you know, Senate Republicans aren't, aren't there yet, but you're, you're certainly going to have a much harder time with it now. And so it'll be interesting to see that. Uh, now, I, I would say this, though. On, on Ukraine's side of this issue, we have seen really since the beginning of the war, but certainly in the last several months, Russian atrocities, gross war crimes, their attacks on the power grid, their attacks on civilians and hospitals, their attacks... Everything Russia has done has been in violation of international law. First of all, the invasion was a viola violation of international law. It's a war of aggression. There was absolutely no justification for it. Um, but then if they were fighting military on military, once, once you get past the invasion issue, then, of course, they would be complying. But Russia's not even trying to defeat the Ukrainian military right now. They're trying to defeat the Ukrainian people. These are disgusting war crimes. And if I'm Ukraine, I'm saying to the world, you don't want us to escalate. You don't want us to make this painful for Russia. What are you doing about the war crimes? We're willing to fight the limited war to stop it from spreading, to get Russia to, to give up. But what are you going to do about the war crimes? 
we have to do something for our people. And so, you know, quite frankly, if the world isn't going to do something about with the Russian atrocities, then I don't have a problem with Ukraine strategically choosing some targets inside Russia to make sure Russia understands that this thing has consequences too, and their mm -hmm. people need to be careful. So I, I'm, I'm not as down on uh, Ukrainian decisions. I do think it's incredibly risky, though, and, uh, and, and they better be prepared for that escalation. But I, I'm not totally against their point of view on this one. Ken, you want to add to that real quick? Uh, yes, very, very, very briefly. You got to understand something. One of the whole things about the Biden administration has always been concerned about is we didn't want to push Russia into a corner where they feel that they need to do something uh, basically like an Operation Cinder or an op Operation Doomsday, where well, we're going to lose, we're going to take everybody with us. They still got a group of nuclear weapons. They could use that either tactically or strategically. And the problem with Putin is he's a, he, as long as he believes there's a way out, he's going to be restrained. He doesn't think he may take the rest of the world with him, and that's the main fear with regards to uh, the Russians. They also need to look at strategically what China's going to do. Because right now, China and Russia are they're allies of convenience, but they've always been competitors. And we like that. We like when Russia is <clears throat> If Russia's taken out, will China become more aggressive and decide, well, everyone's fixated on Ukraine. We're going to move to Taiwan or back another invasion of South Korea. So that's 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 the people are uh, decisions that, that need to be made at the White House. But I have to admit, I'm you know kind of sympathetic with Ukraine on a lot of the issues they're looking at is if they don't take Russia out, all they're going to get is a, is a timeout for maybe five, 10 years. And they'll be right back where they started went in five to 10 years. Although, right. quote, Mark Twain, people should be very careful about making predictions, especially about the future. Good show. Let me get over here and talk about uh, some of the things that we got coming up. Uh, those are the people who support the show, purchase the beanies that we had out there. These are the shows that I produce and involved with, so make sure to check them out. Also, for those who didn't know, from November 25th to December 31st, all bat buses in the city of Brockton are free of charge. Free of charge. So get your shopping done, get your traveling done within the city of Brockton. All bat buses are free. Also, December 9th, Viana Marie will be hosting and performing at a very Boom Squad Christmas at the VFW in Fall River. And then on December 10th here in Brockton, Focus to Win Mixer, they are unveiling their new music studio at the Stacey Adams Cultural Arts Building located at 33 Dover Street. And also, again, please make sure to go and vote. The, uh, the, the actually Boston Music Awards is next Wednesday night, so please vote for Destiny Claymore, R&B Artist of the Year. Elion Virtuoso, Latin Artist of the Year, also Boston Music Videographer of the Year, Scott Sandinato, who did Viana Marie's video, Let's Roll. Also, Mark Army's Book Drive. Get these books to be donated to those military people overseas. You have until December 20th to drop the books off at 48 Lodge Street in Brockton. Also, myself and Viana Marie will be performing December 21st at the Community Holiday Hope Dinner. Free toy and clothes giving giveaway for children from 0 to 17. Um, and again, I want to thank everybody for coming on the show. I'm going to let these guys say their goodbyes. 
And then what I'm going to do is I'm going to be showing you these trailers that I talked about. But I'm going to go around the horn here. I'm going to let Ken Diesel go first. Okay. I want to thank all of our listeners, all 12 of them. Everyone, happy holidays, happy Hanukkah, Merry Christmas, happy Kwanzaa, happy whatever. But all times, you know, be safe, take care of each other, and we'll see you in January of 2023. Ask Yeah, let me echo that. Everybody have you know enjoyable holidays, safe holidays. Uh, we'll see everybody after the new year. Uh, it looks like today's going to be another important day in democracy, as has the week, the month, the year, and the decade. So uh, pay attention. There'll be a lot to talk about in January. Yeah, they actually broke records down in Georgia. They're saying they broke records. So we're going to be keeping our eye on the results down there and see if uh, Raphael Warnock was able to defeat Herschel Walker. Fingers are crossed. And uh, before SpongeBob takes us home, I'm going to get you guys into the first trailer right here. This is Indiana Jones, Dial of Destiny. And then SpongeBob will take us home after we show all three of these videos. But it's your boy, Sister One. Here we go. I miss the desert. I miss the sea. And I miss waking up every morning, wondering what wonderful adventure the new day will bring to us. Those days have come and gone. Perhaps, perhaps not. I don't believe in magic. But a few times in my life, I've seen things. Things I can't explain. And I've come to believe it's not so much what you believe. you believe it? Who is this man? I'm her godfather. Get back! We were gone for quite a while. But no matter what happens next, the galaxy still needs its guardians. Hello! We come in peace. On, Drax. Seriously, dude? No, 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 no! Ow! <laughs> hey! Don't forget. Where we came from. We have been running our whole lives. I'm done running.
first time. Into the forever. That beautiful sky. Kill anyone. Kill a few people. Kill no people. Kill one guy, one stupid guy who no one loves. Now you're just making it sad. We should go. Millions of dollars worth of cocaine fell from the sky this morning in Knoxville, Tennessee. There's more of this out there. They dumped it somewhere. I'm looking for my daughter. Forest is a dangerous place. Hey, Henry. Check it out. Something got into it. A deer, maybe. A lot of cocaine was lost. I need you to go and get it. No, 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 no. Don't eat that. Don't eat that. Let's see what kind of effect that has on The bear, it fucking did cocaine. A bear 
addicted to cocaine. There was a bear. A bear? It was far. Hey, that's inappropriate. You're safe. Bears can't climb trees. Of course I can. Seems like the thing that stays with a man forever. Apex Predator. High on cocaine. Out of his mind. Oh man, you fucked. What the fuck is wrong with that bear? Shoot it, man! Look in nature. Well, see you next Tuesday. Thank you for listening to The Booth on Hoobazoo and HatcherRadio.com. Please follow the Facebook page and subscribe to the podcast at Apple Podcast, iHeartRadio, and Spotify. The Booth is a Sinister One production hosted by Sinister One. I've got to start hanging out with friends that are a little more intelligent and understand politics and stuff. It's just that I'm up on this level up here, and all my friends are down here. Me, nah. You guys, nah. Maybe a little more down, down here. Screw you guys, I'm going home. I smoke, I drink, I do my thing. These bitches hating, so you know I got to make it plain. Don't do cocaine with your chick, my main. We stick together, true forever, yeah, you know we bang. I miss those days, which was easy. If only I made it, bitch, don't repeat. Now that I done upgraded, I've been upstate, and y'all think I'm playing. And I gotta hit now for these weak assholes who think I ain't slaying. Try me, try me, and I'll probably end up laughing, cause I never back down. I'm that chick with a clean ass whip. I don't need that shit, it's like I'm my own now. I get hurt, I get tired of fussing, fighting, guess I gotta crack down. Don't mess with me, cause on everything, I'ma have to bring the whole city out. W-H-O-O-B-A-Z-O-O-N-A-T-O-B-A-Z-O-O-N-A-T-O-B-A-Z-O-O-N-A-T-O-B-A-Z-O-O-N-A-T-O-B-A-Z-O-O-N-A-T